eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton contessa and check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is. It's Wednesday. It's two o'clock. And it is time to talk about gods and stuff. Odd. Some call me Tim. Yes, finally I timed it out correctly. I'm super excited because your guest, our guest today, your guest, our guest on Some Call Me Tim, she knows all about timing. Because she's a comedian, like a famous comedian from the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, Kathy Boudreaux. Woo, 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 woo. But, no, but everybody would know me as Kathy B back in 100 years ago. So, and you used to do the Holy City Zoo thing. I did. And you like hobnob, well, hobnobbing with Robin Williams. That I used to make babysit sense. his kids. You did what? <laughs> I babysat Zach and Zelda for like six or seven weeks. Oh my God. <laughs> so if they're around, I'd like to say Wow. Anything. Yeah. Wow. Before it was Cody, I didn't know Cody. It was, it was all pre-Cody. Oh, I just okay. So I forgot to break out Jesus, but usually the first oh. thing I do is have you look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus. It's a detachable Jesus, and we say he's over there in that corner. I say, do, do you believe in Jesus? I am a devout atheist. Oh wow! I only believe in human beings. But but uh, so then, I'm not to get stuck on Robin Williams, but and I believe in Robin Williams. Yeah. Absolutely, but if he if there's if if you're an atheist, you don't believe in like heaven or nah, afterlife um, stuff. I I kind of believe you know cash and carry. This is what you get, and uh, and uh, if you if you screw it up, it means you're screwing it up. It's wow. A, yeah. Well, you have a cute cute dog. Um, do all dogs go to heaven? If there's if there's a heaven, there better be dogs there. Absolutely. <laughs> so. so um, did the did it suicide affect you pretty it, deeply? It, it affected me so badly that I ended up getting a divorce. Wow! Yeah, it was it was insane. We ha- I was living in Las Vegas. I I had a show there with a lot of comedians. There was it was kind of a starting to be a blossoming comedy scene there in Vegas uh, with a lot of new new folks coming in from Los Angeles, and all of a sudden um, when he died, first of all it was my ex husband's birthday. So, oh my god! Yeah, so that was kind of a screw. What a day! And then and then it was uh, just. You know, waking up and realizing all your friends are calling you up, going, "Robin's dead, Robin's dead, Robin's dead," and it's like, oh, "No." God. And I and first call I got was one of uh, Zelda's friends who called me. Yeah. You know, saying, "Oh yeah, Zelda's dad's gone," and so wow. that's how I that's how I heard. Wow. So so and I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Well, it was hard for me to believe because when you are at the top of your game. Uh, he's okay. Your little puppy's under here. Okay. We're dog friendly here at Mutiny Radio. Yeah. Uh, when you, I feel like you're, it's the same thing with Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. It's like you're at the top of your game. And Chris everybody, Cornell. Yeah. Everybody wants to be you. Yeah. You're doing people's dreams. And it's like, I mean, he's, li- I, not only is he an incredible stand up, but then also he did comedic roles and in films. Donated and donated so much stuff to people. Like yeah. nobody knows about all the stuff he donated and gave away and, and just was always kind. Always did all the benefits that anybody asked him to do. It's I mean but that's the top of the game and then it's yeah. like, why would you how is it so then it, it made it made the I got depressed because I thought if 
he thinks life isn't worth living. What the right? fuck am I doing? Right. And, and then when he realized it was the, it was the medication that was the issue. Oh. Same with Chris Cornell. The medication was the issue. I mean, like the antidepressant medication that makes you depressed. Well, in, in Robin's <laughs> case, it was the it was the Parkinson's medication, which is one of the side effects is you know severe psychotic episodes, and wow. you know he couldn't get suicidal ideation. Yeah, could yeah. not get through it. Wow. Could not get through it. And and uh, Chris Cornell was on you know had been curing himself from all these you know demons and dragons of, of drugs and then he went back on them and it just you know all takes is a little bit to make you a lot crazy when you've been mm. off of them for a while yeah and you know same type of thing and anthony bourdain oh, i geez. know he had a piece of ass girlfriend and, and all he the has, other things he had on the side da- he has a daughter he has incredible tv shows his books are great what a writer like oh, I, his writing I, is oh i have yeah. a bunch of his books i you know and all of that and when you look at someone that's at the top of their game and you're like Right, and, and you, you just think, man, that's like the, the world's best buddy, because everybody thought they knew Anthony in some way or another. Exactly, he's the world's best buddy. Right, uh, and so then twisted. Uh, see, and that's that, why it's hard for me to believe that there's. I like, I don't want to believe that there's nothing after. See, now that's that's the hard thing. Now, I wish there were ghosts. I wish there were. You don't believe in ghosts. I either? don't believe in, don't ghosts. Believe in ghosts. I know, I know. I, I've, and I grew up in New England, where like the Salem witch trials happened and stuff. And yeah. people were like, "Man, you gotta believe in ghosts. You guys got witches." Yeah. Okay. So we got witches, but, but right, plenty of witches, yeah. but no ghosts. No. Well, it's like it's like we want so desperately to believe in something because the idea that this is it is so because that terrifying. We're just a speck on the great big ethos. I mean, it's yeah. just a micro speck and everything we are is part of everything else. So I guess in a way I sound Buddhist, but I'm not. <laughs> it's it's like that scene in I Heart Huckabees where, uh, what's his name? Dustin Hoffman. Uh-huh. He's like, you know, the universe is this blanket and we're all the same. You're over here and you're, it's like, and this is over here and this is over here, but we're all part of the same fabric. And it's a little thing he does like um, it's deep and lovely yeah he explains that sort of idea that we're all one and i don't know i god that that's so far removed because if we're a collection of our experiences right but have you ever thought like if if you had disappeared who would you have affected by not being there well that's that movie that's the um that's you know when i get really depressed and down on myself that's what i think it's the what's it called what dreams it, may it, come it, or it's, it's a it's a wonderful life syndrome oh yeah we're like if you weren't here what would have happened you know yeah. would it be called potterville or whatever well, you know and i think about dumb <laughs> things so like i don't even remember that i have affected people with i, I, I taught schools and I, i've done all sorts of weird stuff like yeah. as you know because i've been around for 100 years <laughs> um <laughs> i'm in my 50s wow um, and i still date 28 year olds nice um, work <laughs> hey you know know cougar like nobody else's car um so but but uh i look at all the people and i don't realize you affect people and suddenly you get an email from like 19 somebody from you knew from 1979 when i was like 15 or 14 sure and and they're like oh yeah remember when you did this for me no yeah well if you didn't do that my grandmother would have still been a would have been uh really depressed and you cheered her up that day and she was really talking about killing herself and i'm like wow yeah so you don't realize how many people you affect sure uh, I mean, that, this is this was a dumb question. I was gonna be like, you don't believe in God, but do you believe in yourself? Yeah, well, see, that's the thing. I believe in hum- I believe in humanity. I, okay. You know, it, despite fucking Trump, I believe in humanity. Yeah. You know, um, no matter what shit goes down, there's always somebody putting out something better than the shit that's going down. Yeah. Do you, uh, like better, like, like. 
well, like better qual, like higher quality or kinder, like kinder. Kindness. Yeah, kindness. there's 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 always like you might you might be in the sh- this is what in L. A. Better like morality. Yeah, well, I lived in L. A. where everybody's into themselves and plastic and Barbie-ish, oh. and you know the egos are so you big. You haven't worked on your skin looks great if you're Man, over fifty. I never. I'm fat. Don't crack. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never have. I, I have. I actually. It's part of my bone disease. I have this disease that makes my skin look really young. Which are you kidding? That's it, the weirdest. It's thing. the freakiest weirdest thing. But I'm really happy about it. My great grandmother was like 102 when she died. She didn't look a day past 80. <laughs> but 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 uh, you know, you drive in in traffic in LA and somebody's blowing bubbles out of their car. Now that's like the tiniest bit of kindness. Like everybody's grumpy and bitchy and moany, and all of a sudden there's bubbles floating by your window. It's like oh, this is crap. But look at there's a bubble. You know? Wow. You know. So. Did you? How long did you live in LA? I lived there uh, in '88 to '90s, and I came here for a couple of years. Then I moved to New Mexico, but I was I was in there for a while. Did uh, you? Were you in LA for comedy? I was in there for yeah. I went to grad school at Cal Arts, and I was doing. Oh. I did stand up at the Comedy Store. I was one of the regulars down cool. there, and then Second City down there. Awesome. Yeah. You, so you have an MFA in acting? I have an MFA in animation. In what? <laughs> yeah. I have a very strange life. You can ask me questions all day and you'll be gone. You have oh. an MFA in animation? Yeah. Because when you get out of the Navy, what's the first thing you, you do? You were go in to arts- the Navy? Yeah, see? <laughs> you go to art school. <laughs> so you started stand-up comedy when you were like 18, I, I 17? St- when I was 17. Dennis, Dennis Leary uh, bet me. Did, did I not tell you this story? You have this not told a, me this story. Okay, this is a great story. In 1981, I was working as email back in that, those days for those who don't know email back then with somebody tapping you on the shoulder and saying go deliver this message to somebody and you'd run down the street and you deliver it and you come back <laughs> so I was emailed for this theater company which is the Charles Playhouse in Boston where they had the comedy connection right. and Dennis Leary and Paula Poundstone and <gasps> Steve Sweeney and all these amazing people started there and Dennis said to me one day that if you make people laugh for a minute I'll give you a dollar on stage tonight I said okay cool so that night I snuck in because you weren't supposed to go in if you were under 21 sure sure and um and so I, I made him laugh for a minute, and he kept nodding, like, go ahead. So I made him laugh for another minute. Go ahead. Okay. So like wow. three or four minutes. So, so, I, so I did 10 minutes before he said, okay, stop, 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 stop. And said, what's the matter? I suck. I know I'm taking him. He said, no, 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 I'm out of money. Ah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, cool. So that was my first gig. Wow. First gig was a paid gig. Your and then first I sucked gig like, was a paid gig? And I sucked like for six months after that. But it was great. Wow. Yeah. And you but and you could just get stage time even though you were underage. Yeah, mostly it was just because I knew everybody and I, you know, I'd been I learned I learned because of these um I got in trouble with the ABC a while back. Um I didn't understand that uh, BYOB isn't a thing in San Francisco. Isn't that bizarre? Anyways, I learned I learned from the, but what I learned is that you can be a musician mm-hmm. and be in a bar and play. Mm-hmm. That's legal. But when you're not on stage, you have to be outside. Exactly. But if you're a stand-up comedian, it doesn't count. Nope. We have, you have to you be. can't be a stand-up comedian. You can only be a musician. Right. And I thought that's so funny. Because they they're not considered the same performance thing. And it was because the musicians' union, of all things. It's because of the musicians' Yeah. So yeah, I found that out, too, doing jazz music. Because I, I learned, like, you have to have an instrument. But I'm like, what if, I said, what if, what if you're a singer? And they're like. Yeah, what if you're an acapella artist? If, yeah, what yeah. if you're a... I was like, poetry, spoken word? They're like, nope. I listen, I dance, up, I nope. dance on poles and I sing the, uh, uh, the operettas. Doesn't that count? I don't... I think if you're singing, that's an... Int- I wonder if, if that's a good... If, as long as you're singing. So if you were a singing comedian... 
yeah. or a comedian with a guitar, yeah, then Gary you must be okay. would work everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those who don't know who Gary Muldeer is, look up 1922 comedian. No, <laughs> he's from the 70s. So you were a kid and you started doing stand-up. Yeah. And you met all these crazy famous people. I met all these before they were crazy and famous. Like Steve Wright, I think I met him the week before he left for L.A. Wow. So he had just started to be huge. And everybody the, everybody in all the comedy clubs were like glued to their TV during shows going, Steve's on Tonight Show. Steve's on the Tonight Show. And we're like, wow. this is amazing. Yeah. So... And then you went off into the Navy? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I was living in Boston, and uh, I was in art school. I, I graduated high school early, because that's what you do when you're, you're bored and you're 17, you get the life in your hands. And and I decided to, uh, to, I wanted to pay for school. I couldn't afford it. My dog is crying, sorry. Yes. Um, and uh, I ended up uh, I ended up in the Navy to pay for school. And I, I worked at a dive company, and, and my job was to pull bodies out of airplanes, of all things. What? Yeah. So when I see a familiar face, it makes me a little wiggy. <laughs> what? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, and that's got to be hard because you don't believe in it. Even being in the military, have you always been an atheist? No, I had I had two years of being a, a Bible thumper. Oh my God! Two whole years of it, and that was one year was in. I was one year before I got in the Navy, and one year while I was in the Navy. Did you Did you pray to Jesus? A lot? I did. I did the whole. I did the whole going to churches where people spoke in tongues. And the, wow! Yeah, Pentecostal. And I, I I think they just called it non non denominational evangelical. All right, cracker cracker people. Sure. <laughs> so. um, they there's a there's a, in Acts in the. It's a no, I've read those. Bi- I read this Bible yeah. thing. So, so in in Acts, um, there's a, a point where they mention that um, the Holy Spirit entered everyone in. You know, Jesus was gone; he rose to heaven or whatever. And, and the but the Holy Spirit came down and, and entered the people, and they spoke in tongues. And so, there's a certain sects of Christianity that not S E X, but S E C S E C T S E C T sects of. Christianity that believe that you can't truly be a Christian unless you you speaking in tongues. Yes, unless you, the, the, the words of the Lord are going through your mouth. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It was part of all those people, and uh, and uh, you know, it was more or less because I was into music and I was just kind of into gospel music, and I just kind of hung out with churches that had music. Yeah, and that was the whole reason I was into the whole Christer thing for a while. But then I started realizing how much hypocrisy there is, and like the women were treated like crap, and you know, and yeah, I, I, that just threw me. I just couldn't deal with the fact that how could you how could you believe in something that treats women like this uh, and it's so funny when people twist the bible around and say that you know you know there's a there's a bunch of stuff in the new testament too that talks about the wedding and marriages and and the body of christ and the body of the church and what can women speak and men speak all this weird and, and stuff. all the rapes and like, in deuteronomy oh yeah <laughs> unending rapes in deuteronomy well my favorite thing is the the story of lot when uh first you know lot's wife gets turned into a pillar of salt and yeah. then when they're running away, he and his daughters are you know, in a cave in the mountains, and his daughters get him drunk and rape him so that they can, they think they're the last Jews on earth and they want to repopulate. So, yeah. they, so first it's like Sodom and Gomorrah are so bad. I, it, and, the, I, and then the book, you know, the books of Lilith that aren't released. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the Gnostics. Yeah. Those are what the, the books that were written about Jesus that were, there are some, I guess, written by women. There were, yeah. He had all kinds of disciples. They were exempted by the the Gregorians and all those who did all those copies. But then the thing is that if we get into that, 
was Jesus real? Was he a real guy? Well, you know, there's there's been studies on that, and uh, they've been trying to prove historic Jesus for decades and decades and decades. I don't know if you remember old Le- yeah, Leonard uh, Leonard Nimoy did a did a whole thing of in search of historic Jesus. Wow. <laughs> and and there's archaeologists in, in Oxford and all these other places trying to look for hints that there might have been. Yeah. And what they've discovered is there there has been a theme of one or two leaders in religions uh, over the last four thousand years. Uh, from Buddha to, to Christianity to Muslim, where there's one specific male leader. Yeah. And all of the themes have been almost identical. So they could trace these themes as one one story going to another story going to another story going to another story. Sure. And so they're tracing, uh, wow. they're trying to trace events with physical items. And they've been able to trace some stories through physical items. Right, like the shroud or like certain things. Well, and and, and, and uh, archaeological sure. digs and, and buildings, specific buildings that exist that they they didn't think might have existed because wow. they thought it might have just been a fairy tale. Well, there's the Ark thing. Some people believe yeah. that it's on top of Mount uh, the, Ararat it, yeah. or whatever. And meanwhile, like, in really? yeah, a, meanwhile in Turkey. Yeah, meanwhile in Turkey. Yeah. Oh, you know, I was looking for my double elephants I couldn't figure out where I left him oh yes I left him in Turkey <laughs> on top of a- they don't have platypuses in Turkey so that can't be true well marsupials <laughs> are the weirdest right aren't they cute though they keep their little babies in their bellies <laughs> it's I mean marsupials are it's like um, I don't know it, they're like aliens just they're the original Takamuchis I mean yeah, I've got a, I've got a you know I've got a, a symbiotic twin in my stomach duck, duck build platypus <laughs> yeah. stuff I'm like that. those are real they're so cool and then they have those little the little marmot looking things that, that look like meerkats they're just tiny little marsupials they're pocket marsupials oh, and it's like I want one I want a pocket and, and my favorite animal of course is the tapir Right, they have like weird noses. Yeah, they look like aardvarks, but they look like rats. And uh, <laughs> I think that George Lucas made one of his aliens look like a taper. Uh-huh. Yeah, so cute. With the weird like face that kind of flops over there. And the, and the best animal of all is a capybara. I'm partial to the red panda. Oh, the red panda. That makes me want to eat Chinese food now. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> or no, is it the... Yeah, no, and the tree but kangaroos are cute too. Tree kangaroos are very cute, yeah. and sloths. So, like all these, I just wonder, like, so all Turkey these has none animals. of those animals. Turkey has none of those animals. So that whole thing being up there is just bullshit. It's bullshit. <laughs> it's all bullshit. Yeah. Uh, this is. A, I'm just switching into left field. Uh, how much do you? Uh, when you're on stage, do you just sort of make things up? Or do, are you do you are you serious writer, or you you came from Second City, so you were an improv person? Yeah. So most of my I've never done the same show twice, but I've done a lot of the same bits over and over again. So what I do is I try to get there early, read the audience, see what they're about, and then work my my regular bits into what the audience is about. Gotcha. But I write all the time. Yeah, I have you're constantly to. coming up with new bits. Yeah, I have to. Um, and I did a whole thing about religion, I, being that my, you know, I used to say that my mom raised me to believe Jesus was my my brother, and that <gasps> Christmas time we'd have to give all our toys to the church, it's all our Christmas presents to the church because we had to give, and then we'd get them back from the firemen. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, okay, so they, they didn't come from us, so it's it's good. <laughs> were you were you weren't. Um, Financially, uh, you were. were you, I was you poor. Up, you were poor. I was poor. Yeah, I grew up. I grew up near the projects in Boston. So, oh wow. Yeah. And my family's mixed race, so it's like, oh. yeah. So we're like 
very strange family. What's what's your mixed race? So my I have uh, African American. Uh, that's why you don't crack, girl. It ain't it. fat. Fat don't it's crack. Like, it's black. It's don't crack. And that's why my butt look the way it do. <laughs> and that's why I can sing and have rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're good stereotypes to have. Oh man, <laughs> you. I mean, you don't look like African-American at no, all. No, my, my dad is Frank, French, Italian, and African, and my mom is Irish. Oh. So there's like a quarter of me is African. So you're like an octoroon. That's right. <laughs> so so like so like half my half my family hates hates the other half of the family, and it's for all different reasons. You know? they, they, well, I, I, um, my ex-husband was African-American, and, and uh, he had very light skin, and I guess they're called high yellows? High yellows, yep. Yep, or passers, so, which is the other phrase. We used to go oh. be called passing when we were growing up. Here. Oh, they're just pastors. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, it's, then, it's hard. I mean, and then you, when you deal with racism, against, when you deal yeah. with racism, looking like I did, because I have red hair, yeah. and, and green eyes. Yeah. So people look at me and they don't think, oh, she must be from Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> they think, oh, she must have come off the boat from Scotland. Yeah. And and then I listen to the racist stuff people say in front of me. Sure. And I want to turn around and go. Girl, I'm gonna kick your ass. You know, I just ain't gonna put up with it, no. But then people think you're culturally appropriating, right? So, so my the only way I can deal with it is is to just you know confess that my family's who they are, and 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 then I I look at other people and I go, you know, your family is probably just as mixed up as my family. Yeah, you know. I mean, Ted Cruz, the biggest racist on the planet. He's got the name Cruz. Rafael Cruz. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Get you know say. I mean, the thing that's weird about racism is that the people that are perpetuating it think that they don't. They, I don't know. Do they? They don't think they're being mean. So it's like when I. Look I don't know. At I think McConnell who, doesn't care if he's mean or not. I, I think though that they think they're being moral people. I, th- I think they're being. I think that's a fear that who they are will disappear. The uh, white people, white people are afraid of who they are disappearing. And you know what? Good because this world is about. I mean, if our culture started in Africa, how did we become who we are? Right. You know, we're, we blended. We blended and blended and blended and blended. We are GMO. Well, that's that's another <laughs> Bible story. Is like you know the Tower of Babel and the you know Pangea sort of being explained where. Um, I guess the biblical explanation is that it, we used to the everything used to be together on one continent, and mm-hmm. there was the Garden of Eden and the Tower of Babel, and then everybody was like, "We're going to get to heaven in this tower." And then God said, "No, no, no! You guys can't all speak the same language anymore," uh-huh. and so set people off to disparate places, mm-hmm. and I, and then you get. I mean, and then I, you get. I just I love know, all the different the, the way languages. I'm a I'm a languageaholic. Like I, I try to speak seven or eight languages. I'm yeah. all, all my Korean friends. Um, but but uh, learning different languages and where they come from is huge. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. then realizing that the multiculturalism based on languages alone is just fabulous. Well, and I'm down with I'm down with multiculturalism, uh, but I just can't. And I love, but I, I love culture. I love it when culture stays and I don't want, I don't want people to feel that, you know, culture isn't a, culture is food. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And I like all these different kinds of food. I don't want all the foods to blend. I don't want to like, maybe I do. Maybe I want like a, a, a Danish pastry that has lemongrass in it, but that's, that's weird Jack, to me. Jackie I want to maintain. Have you heard Jackie Cashian, the comedian? No. She has an amazing theory on this. She thinks that once it's in the frozen food section, 
it is assimilated into the culture. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so like, pakoras and, yeah, and samosas are yeah, American now? Yeah, and proshkis. Anything that's in the frozen well, food section means we've accepted this culture as part of our own. <laughs> right. So pizza, obviously frozen pizzas yeah. are a thing. Yeah, Chinese food. Le right. Choy makes Chinese food. Sure. <laughs> if it's in the frozen food sec- section, it's ours now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, I... I love I love culture and I love different culture and I want to celebrate that and yep. and when you grow up being, oh, I hate, my neighborhood was Lebanese Italian and Irish so when you grow up in a neighborhood where it's all culture and then you leave like I thought everybody told me when I was growing up Boston's the most racist city in the world we had busing and all these issues and then I left and lived in LA and I thought that was the most racist city I'd ever been in my life yeah because, you know, I was dating a black guy and people were giving me the, the side eye. So, really? Sure. In L.A.? Really? Right. <laughs> it, it's, it, when do we, when and how do we start progressing past and why do we hold on to those, like, tropes? And have you noticed that the older a person is, the more bad names Racist they have? They yeah, the yeah. more bad names they have for other people. My, my dad grew up in California and he is racist towards Hispanic people. So... Um, Tyra, yeah, hey, uh, it, my dog is he's there. definitely, um, yeah, we're, uh, this is, this is some call me Tim. Yeah. Are, are you're, Hello. you're Tyra. You're yes. here to train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, we started, we started the show. Tyra actually has a new show coming in. Uh, it's going to be on Sundays. On yes, we're on. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually train during a show so oh, that you can, okay. um, but you were, you were a little late. I started this stuff, but we'll lift the veil. There's Trixie's for flirting with her right now. Yeah, well, it starts at two. It's okay. I should have told you like one fifty-five, okay. just to get to, because we start up all of the, okay. the stuff to learn. Um, so I'll pull back the veil for people. Uh, so right now we're in a show called Some Call Me Tim. Where in a lovely I studio in beautiful San Francisco, Beauty Radio, and I, I on some call me Tim. I interview a different person every week on what they believe in, and uh, Kathy is a. I guess you were an ex-famous comedian. Yeah, you, uh, people used to know me, and then I moved back when I moved, when I was in Vegas. People knew me, and then I came back to California, and people were like, "Who are you again?" Because everybody's you know under fourteen now that right. that books comedy. anything. Yeah, yeah they're just we're all they're children. Like, we don't know who you are. We don't know yeah. who are you. What's MTV? What is this MTV thing you used? To you were on MTV. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> I was on lots of things. You were, and, and now what, I'm what on you, TMZ. You on remote control? What? No, I was on. I was on a. Uh, I was on the like their their um, their Sunday Beach show. And you know, just the weird special shows they'd have. Were you doing comedy? Doing comedy, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, and so, wow. So weird things like that. And then now I'm on TMZ, so I have people that like You're recognize on me. TMZ. Yeah, I'm on TMZ. I'm one of those call-in people that they they have that calls in, which you know, basically they preset the show and tell you when to call in. And oh, you're, you're lifting the veil now. Yeah. I had no idea that it was fake. Yeah. You're telling me that reality. The religion TV of TMZ. Is fake. I know. <laughs> TMZ, awesome. Um, so the way that Mutiny Radio works, I'll just lift the veil for everyone, um, is that people, they um, pay $100 a month and they have their own show and they have their own podcast and they learn how our technology works. And it's very analog. As you can see, we have this, we have an enormous It's a board. beautiful mix board. Yeah. I, be- I believe, I believe that technology is ruining everything. Uh, and it's really hard for me to embrace new technology. I just love analog stuff. So mm-hmm. this board could be much smaller. Uh, but yeah, the Tascam reel to reel is great in here. Task him real to real. That's you are. That is wow. We actually can we can play tapes, but you have to get you get a the tape player and you plug it in you through the little cord. You patch it in through the eighth inch jack that's over there. That's on the sub mixer. Right. Um, 
But so when people train, uh, they they come in and then they you know listen to a show. You can learn put on the headphones so you can hear. And then it's it's really easy because when something is up, that means the volume is up. Yep. And when something is down, the volume is down, and we have multiple channels. It's like. I almost have to believe in God when you like look at something like this and you're like, <laughs> how did we make, how did, how did people make this? Um, we have flashbacks back to CalArts. I learned all this back stuff. Back to CalArts. Film school, I learned all this stuff. Yeah. 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 I can't believe you have an animation degree. Yeah. Um, so. And everybody that graduated runs Pixar now. So like Pete Doctor and all those guys, we all went to school together. And Steve Hillenberg, the guy who did uh, SpongeBob, he was in my class. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And look where I'm working. Hey, stand up. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you could do animation. I mean, yeah. you can draw. I have that, to talk to you about my children's book. Okay, cool. <laughs> I need, I've been looking for an illustrator forever. Oh, right on. My housemate is also an illustrator for children's books. Yeah. Right, right on. That's amazing. I'll, I, have a, I have a little book called Where Do I Go Potty? And here in San Francisco, that is a huge problem. <laughs> Where do I go potty? I bring your own shopping yeah. cart with a portable potty in it. Yeah. And you got to, you know, go in a, go in a bag. What's the, what's the solution? But we did, we have a solution now because of the whole tax thing that happened. We have heart in San Francisco. We yes. have morals and we feel. Good old Prop C. Good old Prop C. Yeah. You did. Yeah, you can get, get on a microphone. I was going to have you run the board, but um, um, so that's there's four microphones in here. One, two, three, and four. You're going to be on three. Uh, what what was that about proxy? Well, it'll just be tied up in litigation, I think. Oh, I what not. do you mean? Why they we passed it? Yeah, but I think because of the percentage at which it was passed, and I'm kind of cloudy on this, that there's uh, room to fight it. Because the rich people are um, greedy fucks, and we can, yeah. well, we can. I, don't, I, don't, I just know. I'm just reporting that. Oh God. That conjecture that I think it will probably be tied up in litigation for a while. Uh, one of the things is on the oh. microphones, they have to be. So the way this is, we'll learn this too. The way microphones work, and um, Kathy knows because she's a stand-up comedian. They they have magnets in them, and they pick up your voice sound waves. So you want to make sure you're right in the center of it, yeah. and you're real close to it. And that way, the other place to look. Since we're kind to. of like training at the same time, is right in front of you. There's there's levels that are going flip, 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 and you can see those. And then on this board also, so you want to make sure you're always dancing in the middle okay. when you're talking. And you can watch your levels right there. Um, I can't believe that they'll. It, it's so sad litigation too because that's Trying you're spending money. Yeah. You, yeah, we're pulling money from other. Well, I guess then it's job creation. I, the lawyers have to make money too, right? I don't yeah. Know. Poor lawyers. I feel so badly for them. Oh, wait. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I, and, and greed yeah, is something. Yeah, can. it says San Francisco voters just approved $300 million effort to fight homelessness, but the city could be years away from getting the money due to legal challenge. Oh, right. so bad. And uh, I think the other side of the argument and the reason why uh, the mayor did not want to move forward on the proposition yet is that there's so much misappropriation of funds currently with so much money that I think she wanted to do some sort of feasibility on where the money was going, what was needed, and then support a ballot measure to support it. So I feel like it wasn't like a total let's never do this. It was like we already have all this money spent on homelessness and we don't know where it's going. It's not doing any good. And do we want to throw good money after bad? Right. So I think that's one perspective, but I think people just are so emotional because obviously we don't want to walk out into homeless encampments and be, and it's just a horrible feeling to see people and you feel hopeless because it's such an overwhelming pro- problem. Something like this feels really good and probably is really good, 
Um, but we that- spend thirty million dollars a year on cleaning up DPW. Spends right. thirty million dollars a year just taking people's non-permanent housing away. Right. I mean, to me, That's like sad. it yeah. almost feels like there's so much money invested in homelessness. Wouldn't it be just easier to allocate money to each homeless person? To- yeah. No kidding. I mean, to me, it's like okay to cut out the middleman. Have a pot of money. Maybe have some set aside for admin who can, you know, facilitate the funds and like mini grants or however you want to couch it. Manage the funds. Make sure they're being. Make sure the person is moving out of the homeless state in terms of employment and education. Whatever. Yeah, this is this is uh, where I was uh, four years ago. I was homeless. You were homeless. Yeah, my ex husband kind of left me living in you, my car. You left. Yeah. You lived in your car. Yeah, and I and I have a so Fiat. She's what you would call vehicular homeless. That's right. So, but yeah, exactly. Wait, 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 but here's the thing. Wait, but, did you have a job? I I I had, I'm disabled American. I'm disabled veteran. So I had just stand up oh. comedy. So you don't make money doing stand up. Just but for the record, you don't make money doing stand up. I didn't even. But here's the thing. You were a veteran. I never I, even thought of that. Yeah, you, I was, you were in the Navy. That makes you a veteran. Right, yeah. So, um, and I was in Grenada. So the um, you were in Grenada. Yeah. So pulling up airplanes. So here's the thing: when you're when you're homeless and you're in the veterans program, this is this is the good and the bad. Ready? The good thing is they give you homeless vouchers, which will they have 100% homeless uh, uh, attrition. They're trying to make sure everybody gets off homelessness in the in the veteran system. Oh, yeah. So they will give you vouchers to get out of a homeless situation. However. Nobody in Northern California takes these vouchers. So all these landlords will like, yeah, I know we're going to get money from the government, but we don't want to take it because it might come once a quarter. Wow. And so all of us that were fighting against this, I ended up living in Detroit because it was the only place I can get a voucher where people would take it. Oh my, I think that maybe the hotels should take them. That You know what? It, the, right now it's just SROs. It, SROs are gross and and you can only stay there for three weeks at a time and then they make you leave and then you have to come back. Well, the ones that were contract with the VA were permanent. Oh, okay. And like Treasure Island had some and but oh, now they're kicking okay. them off Treasure Island. Well, because it, you can die because <laughs> yeah. it's got like well, they're toxic developing soil. developing Treasure Island. Yeah. Yeah, that's why they're kicking them yeah, off. It's exactly why they're kicking them off. They but there's care. toxic soil. Why they don't do they care about it? that? Nope. It's the same thing in the Bayview. There's there's some toxic right. soil. Right. And we, and then they built all these. Look where the look where the baseball stadium is. Is that toxic land too? Yeah, it's all it's all where their shipbuilding used to be. It's all sorts of toxic there. Wow. So when every time you see the uh, the Giants play, you know you could be getting cooties or the new the new warrior stadium which is like <laughs> yeah gone up. They, they work 24 hours a day on that building they yeah. have like yeah. three shifts of people working trying to get the yeah stadium but being built. homeless around here is it was so brutal i ended up moving to detroit I, but I, now i'm living in a really great place where i'm only paying 400 dollars a month which that's is wonderful. amazing yeah talk a little bit about being homeless like what was your day-to-day like it I'm was it was crazy i mean you you basically get a list of all the food banks Right, right, right. And then there's clo- a thing called the clothing bank, which they don't really have too much in San Francisco, but they have in other parts of the state. And you you decide, well, where am I going to go this week to get food? Where am I going to go this week to get clothing? Uh, can I get a job? We, you apply everywhere. In in my situation, I have a bone disease, so a lot of people wouldn't hire me because I'm on pain meds that are pretty high up. I mean, I'm a methadone. Oh, and they say, well, you have to take a urine test. And I take the urine test, show my prescription. Yeah, you passed, but, oh. <laughs> you know. Um, but I ended up, I mean, I ended up uh, working, uh, teaching improvisation for a theater company. And ended up, you know, using my creative side to get money. But sure. I, there's friends of mine that are geniuses. I mean, they were computer programmers. And some of them just, you know, just lost it. They, you know, they just lost their minds. And they weren't able to work anymore. And, and they're then, homeless. And you can't get a job 
if you don't have a, an address, an address, so yeah. you can't like have your car as an address. Nope. And a lot of the shelters will let you use their addresses, which a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the folks here that like the veterans, they can use the downtown VA address as wow. their address. So um, there are like s- services to help. But yeah. But it's just like it's so limited. It's not enough, and it's so limited. Four years you were homeless I, for almost two years. Solid. Two years. Yeah, and and <gasps> two years. Yeah, in the winter, and and uh, because of a because of a divorce, my husband kept everything, and I ended up on my own. You, you couldn't suit. How does that happen? It's California, don't you? Yeah, he was in Las Vegas. And I had a choice, either stay in Las Vegas and be around that toxic situation or move to where my friends and family were out in California, and I decided to move where my support system was. Wow. So fortunately for me, my support system is so strong that they, you know, built an apartment in their house for me. Oh, rad. Which is, you know, you don't hear people doing that stuff. But but I would have, you know, my whole thing was... If I ever had a house, the first thing I would do is, you know, set no Airbnb. I'd set up, a, you know, a little shelter for my friends who are living on the street. Wow. So. That's that's incredibly compassionate. But what's going to happen now with Paradise? That's going to be a whole city of people that are going to be homeless. Par- Paradise? What is this? This is where the fires are right now. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all that stuff. Beaut- the whole. It, there's. It's. We're on. California's on fire. And now we have a, a state that doesn't accept Section 8 vouchers. And all these people are going to get Section 8 vouchers from FEMA, like I did. And and uh, they're not going to be able to bring them anywhere. Santa right. Rosa had that same problem last year. Oh, man. That's. I mean, you know, you want to I mean, you, you want to solve the problem, the but then nobody wants to take care of the problem. You know, you want to solve the problem, but the only way to solve the problem is you know start doing tiny homes like they've done in Alabama and right, Alabama, you right, know, right. Arkansas stand and Alabama stand. You know, get the get the little tiny home villages going because those were great. San Jose has started to do that, and they got approved. I guess I don't know if it's going to go through, but they got approved to do that. Wow. Um, but if they did that, you wouldn't have the homeless situ- situation because you'd have people that would have homes. <laughs> right. You know? But there are also other variables. Like the homeless situation isn't always just a matter of everyone's homeless but completely functional. No, there's mental health homes. issues. Like, there's a lot of layers to addressing yep. the homeless population, specifically in San Francisco. And yep. so that's where it gets complicated. And then not to mention you have private versus public. And it's hard for a lot of things to be dictated to the private sector just because it's private and you have to worry about that kind of balance and I mean it's just a lot of variables but at the end of the day when people are when their backs are against the wall and they're emotional whether it's about the moratorium and the mission or the homeless crisis or things where people's lives are on the line sometimes it you know the emotion takes over and it's and it just becomes sort of a just a battle um but I hopefully in the next you know usually you legislate for the future uh-huh. So hopefully a lot of what's being discussed and what's being moved forward will roll out into like mental health services. Yeah. I know they're trying to invest more in localized mental health services. Um, I know they're building these navigation centers, which obviously aren't permanent. They're kind of like stop gaps and there are yeah. not that many spaces. But I feel like it, 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 we'll see what happens over the next year. What, what would have helped you, Kathy, if you when you were homeless? What would have solved the problem? Well, first of all, if if I had a place to go to f- from the minute I had a, an issue, and so it'd be like so you so right when you had an issue, you would a dream of a place that was like, but a we, shelter we, is the wrong word because it's like, but it, you don't want to be in a dorm, but room. you want to like, be someplace where you have access to to resources, 
Right. And and, and, and we're talking besides a toilet and running yeah, water. Yeah, and I'm we're talking like mental health issues. Like you know, I was going through a major depression when that happened. Sure. Um, it's depressing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but there's car. people. There's and I have health issues. And right. what do you do when you're in? A, like at the time, I was in my wheelchair full time. What do you do if you're in a wheelchair? <sighs> And, you know, and most of these people I see out here, I talked, I don't ignore the people on the streets. I treat them like the human beings that they are. You know, my dog who, who's walking around the studio right now, she is taught that everybody that lives on the street is her friend. Ah. So we'll visit people and she'll cuddle them. And there's programs right now to bring dogs to, and cats to homeless people. Wow. Because, you know, having a little bit of humanity through an animal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's proving your Remember humanity. I was telling you I believe in humanity? Yeah. That's part of it. Do- dogs, dog therapy. Yeah. Yeah, but but having having uh, knowing that it that I think the hardest part was fear of you know you hear these the what you hear about homeless is needles and unhealthy conditions right and yes hepatitis C is is an issue because that you know you don't have you don't have bathroom facilities you don't have right. shower facilities. How do you? But you? How do you catch epsi? Isn't it? I thought it was fecal oral. Yeah, but you can get it just by you know if somebody doesn't have a bathroom. Right, because it's fecal oral. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. you're outside and there's poo everywhere. Yeah. Well, it's San Francisco. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, where is the humanity? You're saying you believe in humanity, but I just in, not. I'm not seeing. I get so. Well, where are the families? Yeah. I don't oh. know. I just came from East Asia, and you know they they don't have a lot of social networks in East Asia. By and large, and a lot of the onus is left to the families to care for their elderly, the right. grandparents to kill, care for the sick. Whatever is happening within the family, the onus is put on the family to take care of that. And no, we, we don't really want that extreme where there's no safety net. But oftentimes I wonder, like, if the people that did have families that had ability and those families, you know, took responsibility for their kin... Then the resources go to people that are really, really destitute, that don't have families, that maybe right. have some extreme mental health issues and disability issues and things like that. So that's one thing I, I think about a lot. Like, actually, where is the humanity? And, and you know, <laughs> it's, it's really, it's really quite weird to me. And like, the, I see older people. I used to volunteer yeah, at Curry seniors. Senior Services, yep. and you see really older um, homeless people, and you're just like, where? And some of them say, I have five kids. I now they maybe maybe they were really bad parents and the kids just hate their guts, but I just don't understand why one kid out of five. And a lot of these folks won't tell their family that they're in that situation because it's a pride thing, which oh, is man. which I discovered when I was in the VA too. Is that uh, you know a lot of these guys were in Vietnam and they were like, well, I'm not going to tell my son. I don't want to be a burden to him. Oh. It's like really, you're freaking living in the back of a but back of a bus stop. Whether it's your, I still think that it's a, a human. I think it's a human right to be able to. Okay, you you learn a lot about a culture by the way they treat their old people. Yes, and in San Francisco, we don't give a fuck. Like, I right now even like you were saying before, Asian families, the seniors. If you keep a senior in your home, you're doing the right thing by your family. Sure. But, but right now, you see on the street, like, and right now with the air quality the way it is, oh, it's horrible. I feel terrible for the people that for that eight thousand people that are sleeping outside, and it's like, but you know, thirty eight thousand or thirty eight thousand in San Francisco. I thought it was eight thousand. Thirty-eight thousand in San Francisco. How, where, where is it? Where? Huh? Yeah, they. they I might, thought they, that we had a. Quite, the uh, number of people that are considered homeless in this in this city are thirty-eight thousand. So that's that's a small really? town. I thought it was Wait. like eight thousand. Yeah. No, no, no. It's much higher than that because they're not they're not including the people that are under. They're not including the people that are that are in the SROs. Oh. And they're not including people so that are in the temporary facilities. Right. So, permanent housing. Yeah. The lack of permanent. Right. Right. Okay, that makes sense. But like. 
people that are they they do the census like every two years or something, and people walk around and they I guess yeah when tag they, the homeless they like what they yes, they tag like, and tag and release they just did one recently they, yeah they, a tag yeah. and release program ta- yeah, yeah. <laughs> they tag and let's put a little, clip their ears <laughs> well I feel like that's what the Obama phones were all about like so yeah. they could track people no the Obama phones were about people that didn't have access to technology and giving them some baseline of communication ability when everyone is wired and they're not right mm. and, and usually it came with some sort of the, the elderly in particular and. Obamacare. Um, I got it as part of the VA. Yeah. Right. So I could get a job. You need to have a phone number to get a job. Wow. But I, it's not, so it's not, I never accepted, I still have a dumb phone. I never accepted one of the Obama smartphones because I just figured that the government was putting a chip in it and they wanted well, to they follow you. They put a you. chip in this. They yeah. Put a chip everything. In your you're, you're, you're being followed when you're, you got your smartphone. Right. You're being followed when you got a computer. I mean, yeah. if they're going to do that, they yeah. can just do it. You go on Google and you're traced. <laughs> your, your Metro, your Muni card, whatever. Yeah. If they're going to do that. If you, I don't necessarily feel like they're doing that, but if they were, they just do it. And your ATM card, you have an ATM card. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I never think about every time you make a purchase that thing is registered to somebody yeah and they and they were using it for marketing for later sure because they want to know what you're buying sure or they want to know where you are in case the feds need to find out what you were doing two weeks ago yep i mean i always wonder if like you know you murder a person they'll catch you right because <laughs> they are they fight not if you're a white cop like, apparently i was like what if i was thinking about it the other day i was like what if not not that I want to murder anybody, but if I did, I'd have to be, it'd have to be completely random because if you have any connection with the person, they'll find you. So it'd have to be like you have to pushing be someone off, off a building for no reason. But that would be, I would never want to do that. But if you did, but if I, if I did have to kill someone, I would, pro- but no, You'd be off the grid, push, pushing someone off the building would be, that'd be the worst. I could never kill anybody. Could you ever kill anybody, Kathy? Ne- never. And I was in the military. I could I kill somebody. You could kill? Really? Tara? If I had to. Yeah. But to protect but self-protection. Yeah. There always, there's always a reason to kill someone. It's just, yeah. what is the reason is the thing. Yeah. If, if I, if I'm with my nephew and someone's trying to kill him, I'd have no problem killing that person. Yeah. Wow. That I understand. Okay. Yeah. I just don't even think. I could, I don't, I don't think I could do it. Well, in the moment it's fight or flight. You really, I'm saying that, but you don't know how you respond. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a flighter. I know that I'm a flighter because a questionably housed man, when I used to do poetry with a typewriter at Civic Center and I have a little table and I set it up and a guy came at me with his cane, like he was going to attack me. And I like screamed and ran back. I was like, like <laughs> I, I literally turned into a chicken and tried to fly away, but I couldn't fly because I was a chicken and chickens can't fly. And, <laughs> oh, and I realized in that moment that I am a flight. I am not a fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kathy, you fight or flight? Oh, I'm a fight. You're a fight. I'm a, I'm an East coast girl. It's like, you don't get in, in my the, face in and hurt my people. And then, and then expect okay. me not to do something to you. Yeah. I think we know Tyra's a fight. <laughs> well, dep- you never know. It could be one situation you're, you might've fled in that situation, but another situation, something comes over you and you fear a fight. You just don't know yeah. in those situations. It's like the moms can re- lift a car. Off right. The, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <gasps> That's true. Moms can without ripping their arms off. Yeah. Right. See, but then you're like, then your you, adrenaline is doing it. And is that God? No. You say I that's say all no. just, fa- that's just, I just science, say it's physics and physics. life. And, well, yeah. you could say that's God or the universe or nature or however you want to define it, but your adrenaline is part of your body makeup and that was created by something if you believe in creators of any sort. Yeah. And I, I just, you I just, there's no, no creator. I if just you don't, don't, then bring chemistry kicking in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Here's the question for Kathy, and we'll get deep on this one. Yeah. Do you believe that people are born basically good, or that 
and that that they're changed over time through their experiences or do you believe that all people are bad and they put they work hard to be good oh i don't think there's an all or none on anything i think everybody's born with a clean slate of who they are but if i mean you have issues that happen before you're born like what if you're parents were taking drugs or what if you know mm. you don't have any control over that mm. but uh like in my situation uh, my my mother smoked and you know she drank and all this other stuff but and she also i mean like i said i you know being from a multiracial family they also had this one attitude that i couldn't stand from the time i was like a little kid you know it's like i couldn't stand the idea that they couldn't talk to people that were different from them huh and I was always, ta- I've talked to the Moonies down the street. I mean, <laughs> what's a Mooney? A Mooney, or, you know, the, uh, the, uh, remember the guys who used to walk around with their big robes and give flowers out and shave their heads with a little airplane. Yeah. The movie airplane. airplane. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, the Hare Krishnas and the Moonies. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so they were like that. So yeah, all these guys. So, so, I mean, I, I never, I always thought different people were cool. I always thought it was like huh. the world was a big national geographic special and I was just supposed to check out what everybody was about. And I had a family that was like, no, 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 you stay with your, you're crazy in this world. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Uh, Are your parents still alive? My dad is in Cape Cod and my mom is in Boston. Wow, yeah. cool. Yeah. And my dad turned in, my dad went from being this really left-wing guy to now he's like Republican and hangs around golfers and kind of creeps me out. And then my mom, who was the alt, the opposite, she was like total racist. And all of a sudden she started working for Head Start and suddenly that stopped. And she huh. grew, she like grew up. She's, she's suddenly, she's more progressive than my dad ever was. Wow. They just flip flopped. Yeah. Well then, you know what? That's nice. It proves that people can change. Yeah, absolutely. And that you, that there is no stagnancy. And yeah. And, and, the, and the idea that, you know, you can be all bad or all good. It just doesn't exist. It's like, as Mr. Rogers said, <laughs> all these people that are good sometimes can be bad sometimes. And all these people that are bad sometimes can be good sometimes. Right. So, and good and bad is just a construct. Yeah. It's well, just like, try. I mean, I guess try not to hurt other people. Yeah. Although... That's crazy too because fuck not lest you be fucked. How 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 do we not I mean I think that I've got to believe that people that think they're like the guys who run Twitter that are going to be mad about giving money to the questionably housed people. Like why I think I think Donald think Trump is doing, evil, but he thinks he's doing good. That's the thing that makes me confused. I don't think he thinks he's doing good. I think he's doing himself good. There's a big difference. When you're uh, self-contained and self you know, all you care about is the self and you don't care about other people. I personally, I find selfishness a horrible thing, but, but, uh, not selfishness and taking care of yourself for selfishness where only you matter and fuck everybody else. Yeah. But how can, I mean, I just don't understand how anybody cannot rely on somebody else in some way or shape or form and, and acknowledge that, that reliance that we're, that we are all connected and we have to help each other. Yeah. Because no one lives in a vacuum. Yeah, and 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 you know maybe that maybe that makes me naive or idealistic, but but or maybe it makes me a, a peek at the future. I like your ideals. <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> My dog just loves everybody. Uh, I think everybody should be like dogs. <laughs> Love everybody. We're gonna we're gonna wrap we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, tell us where you're performing. Next. Um, I actually I I think I'm at the Pamtastic Comedy. Yeah. <laughs> our uh, next week. Yeah. Not next week. The week after. Week after. The 30th. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There we go. So because I think that's my next show that I know for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to have you on the show. It'll be fun. This you're you're lovely to have here and Thanks. talk. 
I, it's, it's your life is so bizarre. Yes, I have a very strange life, <laughs> and you don't even know the half of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the from from the navy to the homelessness to to the to, the, to, to being the, in a swing band and dancing in cages to, to working at phone sex to being Porky Pig. To, I've done all of it, sex. and yeah. even being a nanny for Robin Williams' children. Yes, that was a lot of fun. All of it. Yes, amazing. Uh, well, thank you for being on some comedy. What's your dog's name again? Trixie. Trixie's high fiving. Yeah, she loves a good to high fiver. Uh, she's a sweet little dog. And uh, hey, next week, I don't know who's on some call me Tim. Um, <laughs> I should look it up. But uh, this has been a lot of fun. And thanks, Tyra. I'm going to show you all this stuff now before I get out of here. And uh, we'll hear you guys next week. Thanks for listening to MutinyRadio.fm. From whatever part of the nation or international comedy scene you come from, apply now through November 30th. Go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm, for more details. Aloha, mutineers. Stolowitz here. People ask me, Dave, why do you spend so much time listening to mutinyradio.fm? Well, the answer's simple to me. It's the love I find here. We've got so many great programs here. There's something for everybody, surely. Well, maybe not the Hitler crew, but you know everyone else. Let me tell you about some of my favorite shows here at Mutiny you may not have heard about. Labor and Love with Bill Morgan is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Bill is passionate about labor, jazz, and solidarity, and he tells you how it is. No BS. If somebody gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. I always learn a lot from Labor and Love. It's educational and inspirational. The Common Thread Collective is every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. with legendary octogenarian Haight-Ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics gotta hold off till happy hour, though. Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker, Saturdays from noon to 2. 
The title says it all. Classic vinyl albums with no apologies. Great stuff. You can listen in live to these fine programs on mutinyradio.fm or download the podcast at your convenience on Apple iTunes. What a deal. Authentic, real San Francisco love. That's what keeps our ship afloat. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8 that's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-face McRat. <laughs> For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton Contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com. Timstesseract.com. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things.
Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch friends out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as movies over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Fantastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for <laughs> is in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer cottage on the mountain ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your old tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. <laughs> Exciting for you, Mutiny Radio listener. There are six new shows here at MutinyRadio.fm. Monday nights at 10 o'clock, it's time for free phone sex. 415-550-0511. Yes, call in for free phone sex. You will be recorded. It is a podcast, but will that phone sex be free? Absolutely. 10 a.m. Mondays, it's time for Everyday Conversations on Race with Everyday People with Sima Lieberman. 
Everyday people talking about race every week. Different everyday people talking about race. On Tuesdays, 10 o'clock, it's Spiritual Psychology with Renee McKenna. Meditate. It'll heal you. Then, at noon, stick around. Sergio Novoa brings you my limited view. Talking about all things from his perspective. Then, on Thursdays, from 8 to 10, it's time for Beyond your comprehension with Clem. Exciting new shows here at Mutiny Radio. Also the IC podcast. That's the Imprint City podcast coming soon. MutinyRadio.fm. New shows. You can have one too. Contact director at MutinyRadio.fm to find out more details. Check us out at MutinyRadio.fm.
moto moto penzi nipige buso cha moto moto kwa tukipenda nao tulilala pamoja tukizungumza cha siri siri buso cha siri 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 penzi nipige buso cha moto moto tulipo kwa tukipenda nao tulilala pamoja tukizungumza Moto moto penzi nipige buso cha kimoto moto tulipo kwa tukipenda na tulilala pamoja tukizungumza Siri siri penzi nipige buso cha siri siri cha kimoyo moyo penzi nipige buso cha kimoyo moyo tulipo kwa tukipenda na tulilala pamoja tukizungumza Sikamaleo sikwaja na sikamaleo Kisha kimoto moto mpenzi nipige buso cha faya faya tulipokuwa tukipendana tulilala pamoja tukizungumza Kisha moto moto mpenzi nipige buso cha kimoto moto tulipokuwa tukipendana tulilala pamoja tukizungumza Kisha cha moto moto mpenzi nipige buso cha moto moto Watu kipenda na tulilala pamoja tukizungumza Penzi nipige buso cha moto moto Kisha cha faya faya Watu kipenda na tulilala pamoja tukizungumza Tumoto Kisha cha kimoto moto Watu kipenda na tulilala mara tukizungumza Kisha moto moto mpenzi nipige buso cha moto moto Watu kipenda na tulilala pamoja tukizungumza Cha siri siri chakula cha usiku cha siri siri
systems of government and so on and so on and so on. Printing technology confirmed and extended the new visual stress. It provided the first uniformly repeatable commodity, the first assembly line, mass production. It 
created the portable book, which men could read in privacy and in isolation from others. Men could now inspire and conspire. It was the print-oriented genius of the Western world that created an applied knowledge and technology unrivaled in human history and learned to manipulate matter, energy, and human life by breaking down every useful process into its functional parts, then producing any required number of each part. I was feeling like it was lost in the bush, boy. Just as pre-shaped parts became components of, say, an airplane, human specialists became components of a great social machine. Compartmentalization of occupation. Compartmentalization of occupations and interests bring about.
weeping out the chicken house Drinking whiskey in the barn Yeah.
Blah, blah. Nick on Mutiny Radio. FM.
something wrong. So somebody told him that, well, your wife was forced to stand and he turned into a dove, so he flew away. So now
boys, what they always do is hunting. When they hunt, they hunt with their dogs. So, so many people were very jealous of this boy, you see, with this dog, because whenever he goes out, he could kill big animals. And this dog could kill big animals because it was so good. And another thing was this, this dog was so good because it was blessed by the uh, spirits. So one day they went on hunting and uh, so many people were jealous of this boy. They thought of how to kill the dog. So what they thought was, first of all, they hit the dog with a knife. After they hit the dog, then they will uh, skin it to make sure that it will not be, it will, it will not be alive And after they skin it, then they will bury it. So they did that one day while they were out hunting, the boy was not there, so they took the dog and they killed Machina. And so after they killed Machina, Machina was skinned, and after they skinned Machina, they killed Machina. So this boy was very sad that he could not find because he liked this, he loved this dog so much. So anyway, he go And then as he was going home, he was singing this song. Your guys now no, 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 no. 